As I thought about the theme of last Sunday, the Sunday of the Myrrh-Bearing Women, I wondered, what's the deeper symbolic meaning that the first witnesses of the resurrection were female? Then the answer came to me through the movie Shrek. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way. I'm your host, Father Dustin Lyon. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. Lately, I've been interested in deeper symbolic meanings found in stories, such as movies, books, or even scripture, or images. Think of iconography. As the argument goes, there are deeper patterns or archetypes that are biologically built into us. These patterns are what we draw on to give meaning to the world around us, whether we're aware of those patterns or not. For example, one such pattern is death and rebirth. Nature goes through this cycle constantly, from the death of winter to the rebirth of spring. Scripture records Jesus also playing with this idea. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That's John 12, 24. Of course, this is also the idea of the cross and the resurrection. How does knowing any of this help with understanding? Well, it helps us understand the significance of sacrifice, especially the ones we embrace in life. For example, we sacrifice fun in college in order to prosper later in our careers. The sacrifice of fun is a death, while the successful career one gets as a result of a college degree is a rebirth of a new you. So it's in this sort of light that I wondered about the myrrh-bearing women. In a post-truth world that's full of fake news, We know that a story can be rooted in history, but the storyteller still chooses how to spin the story. Even if it was the myrrh-bearing women who historically discovered the empty tomb, that doesn't mean the evangelists, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, had to record that fact. By emphasizing some events over others, the story can take on different meanings. In our world, this makes the truth ever more important. I also believe that the evangelists were very careful about what they wrote. Every word is embedded with meaning. So my question is twofold. One, why did the evangelists decide to record the story of these women? They could have very well said that the disciples heard of the empty tomb and carried the good news forth and left out how they heard the news. And two, What's the deeper symbolic meaning that the resurrection was first proclaimed by females? Here I'm not looking for a feminist or patriarchal or political explanation. I actually think there's something symbolically important happening here that has to do with an understanding of feminine that isn't just biological sex or gender. 
Here I'm asking about feminine in the sense of archetype. So I started to think, and I started some conversations to figure all this out. Then I stumbled upon, or rather, remembered a video by an Orthodox carver, Jonathan Pajot. In this video, he explains the deeper symbolic meaning of the movie Shrek. Essentially, Pajot talks about the balance, or the unsettling of the balance, of the center, which is the city, by the margin, that is the countryside and forests. Here's how that works. The center, represented in Shrek by Lord Farquaad, represents order, authority, power, organization, government, beauty, tradition, and the rest. In short, the kingdom represents everything that fits in an ordered world. It's everything we can make sense of. It's things that have meaning for us. The archetype of the center is usually represented by the Great Father, who represents the known or explored territory. As I argue here in a bit, the Father also stands for tradition. As an image, the Father can be good or bad. Don't confuse this archetype with God the Father, a person of the Trinity. That's an entirely different concept. And don't confuse this with a biological father. Now the mother. The margin, represented in the movie Shrek, by Shrek, is everything that doesn't fit. It's the beginning of chaos, the unorganized. It's where monsters, ogres, and barbarians live. If there's something we don't understand, it's regulated to the margin. The margin also functions as a boundary marker between the organized and disorganized. It's the marker between life and death. But when chaos is organized, the margin also represents potential. All good stories are of heroes entering into the unknown to find the treasure, to rescue someone of importance, or to find glory. The margin is usually represented by the Great Mother, who represents images of the unknown or unexplored territory. Why? Because entering into the unknown has the possibility of giving birth to something new, a motherly image, if you will. Just as the father can be good or bad, so too does the mother have positive and negative aspects. So the movie Shrek is about what happens when the center asserts too much control, power, and authority. The center being the father, of course. It's about what happens when the center doesn't make room for the margin. In this case, Lord Farquaad casts out everyone who doesn't fit, which upsets the balance. Shrek, as a representative of the margin, is forced out of his home and goes to confront the center. Eventually, the balance is so upset that the center is consumed by the margin. Literally, in this case, when the dragon eats Lord Farquaad. In symbolic language, the movie is about the great mother overtaking and consuming the tyrannical father. It's here that all this made sense. The story of the resurrection, from Joseph of Arimathea to the myrrh-bearing women, is essentially the story of Shrek. Or maybe it's the other way around. You decide. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate after the resurrection to ask for the body of Christ in order to bury it. To most of us, this doesn't strike us as odd. After all, that's what you do when someone dies. 
you bury them. But Jesus has just spent his entire career explaining to the disciples that he must die, after which this will be followed by resurrection on the third day. So, if you are a believing disciple, such as Joseph claims to be, why would you bother burying Jesus' body? It's almost as if Mark is telling us Joseph really didn't believe Jesus. So instead of resurrection, Joseph thought he could seal Jesus into a tomb, perhaps even prevent the resurrection. Remember, we're talking about how the character of Joseph functions within the story, not about the overall nature or ontology of Joseph as a saint or person. The tomb, according to one of my seminary professors, represents the temple, which is established religion and tradition. The temple regulated ancient Jewish religious life. There were several pilgrim feasts where it was common for Judeans across the Mediterranean world to travel to Jerusalem so that they could partake of temple rituals, including sacrifices. Part of the temple's role was to be the center of Jewish religiosity, an authoritative structure with priests. We could say that the temple is the father, symbolically. While Jesus, on the other hand, represents the margin, just like Shrek. He has no authority given to him by temple officials, nor does he play any role within the Jewish royalty of the day, that is, Herod. On a side note, when Jesus performs miracles in Scripture, the question is not the modern question, how did he do that, but rather an ancient question, by whose authority does he do that? And surprise, surprise, it's not Herod's authority. In fact, geographically, Jesus even comes from the margin. Galilee was north of Judea, where Jerusalem lay, and Samaria even fell between these two regions. Socially, Jesus comes from a carpenter's family, and he was known to hang out with the marginalized of society. Tax collectors, sinners, drunks, orphans, widows, and those afflicted with ailments and diseases. In short, we can say that Jesus is the wilderness, the chaos that confronts the established order. So, when Joseph seals the body of Jesus in the tomb, it's symbolic of the temple taking control over the Jesus movement, or at least trying to. The authoritative power is asserting control over what it sees as a dangerous message. It's Lord Farquaad expelling all the Disney characters. However, the tyrannical father doesn't win this time either. The margin confronts the father head-on, and everything is turned upside down. In short, the resurrection affirms the authority of the margin over the center. Jesus rises from the dead, and eventually the temple is destroyed. The myrrh-bearing women, early in the morning, come and discover the empty tomb. Here, they represent the Great Mother. The resurrection has brought the possibility of new life, a mother bearing babies. It's no accident, I think, that the tomb is a garden tomb. The garden, of course, also represents the Great Mother. Think Mother Nature. It's a bit of chaos, yet in the midst of all of that, there's a lot of potential. After all, the treasure is always hidden in a dangerous place. St. Paul picks up on this when he calls baptism a death and rebirth. 
He also picks up on this when he says, Christians are a new creation. The myrrh-bearing women, in this case, are representative of the church, who is the mother of all Christians. The Virgin Mary also plays this role. No longer does the tyrannical father rule. We're not regulated by the temple. Instead, the margin, that is the gospel, has taken, has overtaken the center. This idea is a reversal of reality. It turns everything upside down. But this is consistent with the gospel message. The last shall become first. Just check out the Beatitudes. The poor inherit the kingdom. The hungry are filled. Those weeping laugh. Those who are hated rejoice, and so on. It also gives understanding to Jesus hanging out with the marginalized. The myrrh-bearing women, as the great mother, represent hope, new life, a new beginning, rebirth, and resurrection. But if we've learned anything, we have to be careful. Now, 2,000 years later, we've inherited a complete religious tradition. If we're not careful, it can turn into the tyrannical father, stifling life, hope, and resurrection. It too can become too authoritative, sealing us in a tomb. We have to constantly remember the power of the resurrection, where its strength comes from, and how Jesus demonstrated that strength through his life, love, and death. We have to remember and celebrate the upside-downness of the margin overtaking the center. I'll talk to you next week. God bless.